0: Our club's always been a forum for visionaries, public figures, and decision makers
1: to command attention to the issues of our time and inform the most relevant, compelling, and challenging conversations. Here we offer first-person access to dynamic political, business, and public personality.
2: The Canadian club is one of the most important podiums anywhere in the world that a Canadian can speak to tell Canadians what it is that they think, develop those thoughts. And so I want to thank you for that very, very much.
3: Please join me in thanking our esteemed panelists today. Through our programs and events, including our youth and young leaders programs, our diversity partnerships, our joint events, and our media and social media opportunities, we offer you access to dynamic, political, social and business
1: figures from abroad and right here at home.
4: The platform from which the eloquence of Canada has flowed all of that time, whether it be
5: business, education, politics, sports, arts and culture. If someone wants to say something to Canadians about this country and about the future of this country, this is the venue you choose.
4: Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Shazanne Chu, and I'm an executive member of Canadian Club Toronto. While we meet today on a virtual platform, I would like to begin by acknowledging the Indigenous peoples of all the lands that we are on today. We do this to reaffirm our commitment and responsibility in improving relationships between nations and to improving our own understanding of local Indigenous peoples and cultures. We are grateful for the opportunity to be able to come together to learn on this land. Guests, thank you for joining us today. And thank you to our AV supplier, VVC Live, for making it possible for us to gather virtually today. Starting a life in a new country comes with many challenges, navigating a new financial system being one of them. Today in recognition of Financial Literacy Month, our panelists will address the unique and complex barriers that newcomers face when trying to establish a financial foundation in Canada and some of the solutions that are available. We hope that employers, marketers, nonprofit service providers and government registered today will take action to engage in the financial health and literacy of Canadian newcomers and hearing from this gifted panel. Just before we begin, I want to review a few housekeeping instructions. Please take note of the following. To ask a question, click the question tab on the right-hand side of the video player. These will be sent to the moderator. The help button located in the bottom right corner of the page is for technical support. I want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor, Easy Financial, for helping to make this event possible. And thank you to our season sponsor, Canadian Bankers Association for its continuing support. The Canadian Club is a nonprofit and we've been gathering people together for 125 years. It is because of our sponsors, partners, and members that we are able to do so. Thank you for your support. Now to introduce today's speakers. Margaret Kunle, CEO and founder of City Living Centers. Tony Chaltis, CEO of Achieve, Misha Ezopov, CEO and Founder of Nova Credit, and Jason Mullins, President and CEO Go Easy Limited. Today's discussion will be moderated by Bruce Celery, CBC Money Columnist, CEO of Credit Canada and past President of Canadian Club Toronto. A tradition that our club maintains is the toast we make to our country. So if you have a beverage close by, please join me in a toast to Canada.
1: To Canada. Canada.
4: (laughs) Bruce, over to you. Thank you very
1: much. Financial Literacy Month. Financial Literacy Month is like Carabana, TIFF, FIFA World Cup, Luminato, Nuit Blanche, and the ICC Cricket World Cup all rolled into one, celebrated every single November. It's a really big deal. It's a really, really big deal. And this year, the focus of our event with the Canadian Club is on newcomers to Canada. Newcomers to Canada, how do we foster financial well-being with newcomers to Canada? And I think in this group, at least there is a shared belief in the view that newcomers have been an enormously important part of the history of this country, and they are an enormously important part of the future of this Country. So it behooves us all to ensure that we welcome them and that we support their integration with the knowledge and the institutions and the behaviors uh, that will serve them and therefore our country. We have assembled a really extraordinary panel that brings together different uh, work experiences, different perspectives for profit, non profit, big company, small company. And we're going to highlight both some of the barriers that newcomers face, and also many of the opportunities for individuals, for institutions, uh, and for our government in how to make this uh, a more effective part in how we bring Canadians into into our culture. Margaret is our first panelist. And just by way of introduction, Margaret's based in Edmonton, Alberta, Hello, Alberta. And Margaret, you have many things that you bring to this uh, conversation. Of course, your work in the credit industry, um, your grassroots work that you do in your nonprofit, but you also have lived experience. You arrived from Nigeria 23 years ago. Paint us the picture of what those first few days were like for you.
3: Thank you very much, Bruce. Um, thank you, everyone. It's nice to meet you, um, Tony and Misha. Um, I came 23 years ago, like you said, and it was tough. You're coming to a new country, leaving everything you know behind, your family, your culture, food, everything you know. Uh, and I remember that I had to be in the shelter for a bit because I didn't know anyone here. So I was in the shelter for a bit. Thank God to Canada for having such resource uh, resources for us. Um, after being in, uh, in the in the shelter for a bit, they actually helped me um, get my first little apartment on downford So I used to live in Toronto, uh, and that apartment was very tiny. It was four fifty, <laughs> and I was getting five twenty from the government at the time. Um, so by the time I'm done paying my rent, I have. Practically nothing left or anything else.
1: <laughs> what do you remember as a so first cash flow? Wow. What do you remember was a formative experience for you in terms of learning about the Canadian financial system? Some of which would have been quite different from what you've been raised in in Nigeria.
3: So in Nigeria, Nigeria is a cash based society, so is a lot of African countries. Um, cash based society. I had no clue. I'd never had a bank account in my life. And I was 23 years old. I'd never had a bank account. I'd lived at home all through. Um, I had no clue. I've never heard about credit. And I still didn't hear about credit too many, like a few years after, I would say. Um, I had no idea. I didn't understand it. I didn't know it. I only got um personal expenses was going into RBC. Our, our I didn't understand what the account was about mm. or how to use that. All I know was that I had an account. I didn't know if it had a fee or not. Mm. And I had a card to use uh in order to assess that's all I knew at the time.
1: Yeah. Misha, you are also someone with lived experience as an immigrant. Your current role, CEO of Nova Credit, you bring to this conversation a perspective of Canada versus U.S., which we're going to get into. What were your early days like? You came to to the U.S. a bit younger, is that right?
5: Yeah, I, I moved uh, originally from the Soviet Union uh, to the states uh, when I when I was a kid, and um, you know, like 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 most people who who move across national lines. Uh, You sort of you get faced with this reality of having to having to start over. Um, You have to learn, oftentimes learn a new language, uh, retrain professionally, um, and reestablish your financial life. And you're you're doing that in an environment where you don't have the same social safety net that you may have had back in 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 your home country. Uh, And so we we've built a, a business and a product that helps make that period of transition and, and integration uh, a lot easier. And I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it a little bit here today in the conversation.
1: If your parents were here and I would ask them the question of uh, what was formative for them about learning a new financial system, what do you think they would say? Or what did you hear around the dinner table when it came to finances?
5: Yeah, we, we weren't really talking about global credit bureaus um, around around the dinner table. No? Oh, uh, while, while okay. Growing up. okay. Now we do maybe, but, um the I mean uh, the the anecdotes I still remember are are how hard it was to get uh, a car actually um so when we first uh, moved to the states we moved to Syracuse upstate New York not too far from from Canada uh and uh you know you can't get around without a car and we we weren't able to get a car loan at all and so we saved for uh for you know many many months before we could you know buy a used car all in cash Uh, and that's sort of the story that I've heard time and time again, now in my role, uh, where you know we're, we're talking to and, and working with newcomers every day.
1: Tony, you're the CEO of Achieve. Uh, one of the really important parts of this conversation is to think holistically about the newcomer experience, which Achieve is uh, very clearly able to provide that perspective, not only because you have over 100,000 clients, but also because you help newcomers in so, so many different uh, ways. Tell us about the mission. What's Achieve about? What are you trying to do?
2: Um, Thanks very much, Bruce. We're really all about creating faster paths to prosperity, making it easier for our clients to get the supports that they need to settle in their new country, learn a language, French or English, and get a job. And we also not only support... Um, Newcomers, about 80% of our clients are newcomers. We support uh, Ontarians as well. So helping those who are underemployed or unemployed get a job and also provide free recruitment services to employers, helping them build a diverse, inclusive workplace. One of the things that
1: in our prior conversations you've talked about that has really stuck with me is how some of your clients literally show up on your doorstep, the doorstep of your offices directly from the airport. So they haven't slept, they haven't bathed, they've got their suitcases with them and they're showing up. You were the first point of call, port of call. Talk specifically about how you play the role as a navigator with some of these financial institutions in those very, very early days for people.
2: So we do have folks that actually do arrive, Bruce, you're right, with their suitcases. We have an office quite close to the airport. And as you can imagine, there is so much going on in their lives in those first several days. They often arrive in Canada having done a bit of research. So they will have either identified who they're going to bank with or Um, identified the need to very quickly affiliate with a financial institution if they don't already have something set up. Um, So that's step one. It is often uh, a big focus and then very quickly they're pivoting into how do I get a job but most importantly how do I get a job that's actually commensurate with my skill level. They have saved Um, They arrive and very quickly that money can start to disappear. Uh, We all know about the housing challenges here in Canada and the reality of finding rental income that actually fits their budget is a challenge for newcomers. And when you've got landlords who are now asking for upwards of, in some cases, a year's worth of rent all at once in one check. That can take a big hit into somebody's savings. And you can imagine, none of us can quickly come up with $30,000 to write a check. So that's a, a big hurdle that they face right away on top of simply figuring out how the best system works, how to get a health card, how to get their kids into school. There is an awful lot going on in their early days as they settle here in Canada. Jason, I want to
1: I want to bring you in here, Jason, president and CEO of Go Easy, you've got two lenses here, a huge number of your clients are newcomers to Canada, a huge number of your employees are newcomers to Canada. And uh, one of the things that you've talked about is how important it is to be your word purposeful in how you staff branches with new Canadians. How do you go about doing that?
0: Yeah, first of all, thanks uh, for for having uh, me on today. Um, I think it's really important that organizations that have a retail presence, as we do, we have 400 locations coast to coast, staff those locations with people that represent the communities within which you operate. Uh, That means that depending on the ethnicity of the communities in which we operate, we're looking for people who can most be relatable and connect with the people that are representative of the culture in that community. And that especially means being able to often speak the languages. Um, Our financial services infrastructure and a lot of times the documents that are available by a lot of organizations for doing basic financial transactions have not caught up yet to the significant amount of uh, new population growth from new Canadians in Canada. So they're not always available in all those languages. So if you can at least staff your locations with someone that represents those cultures, Uh, and the mass uh, diversity that exists in Canada, at least then you're gonna be able to have people that are relatable and talking the same language.
1: I wanna uh, not take for granted the why we are having this conversation. So we're not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but I do wanna talk about the opportunity that is here as it relates to newcomers. And Misha, I wanna start with you. Um, your company's based in the US. You tried to enter Canada a bunch of years ago. You are now doing that work again, now coming back with guns ablazing here with Nova Credit. Why is this a market that is appealing to you and why do you think your service will make an impact? For newcomers, basically, I think we need to just lay on the table the economic case to be made that this is time well spent.
5: Certainly. Um, well, as a as a business that supports newcomers um, around the world, we, we have we have a business here in the U.S., in the U.K., in the UAE, in Singapore, in Australia. Um, you know, we get this really uh, unique view into how different economies and financial systems uh, treat newcomers and uh, help you know ease the integration path. Uh, one of the things that makes Canada so unique uh, is uh, over the next 20 years, Canada uh, is expected to grow its population by about 12 to 14 million people, hmm. and 100% of the population growth is coming from newcomers. So there, there is no way to grow as a business in Canada unless you have a dedicated strategy for how to attract and retain uh, newcomers, and, and and core to you know, our uh, interest in, in, in entry in, into Canada is to really be the, the third credit bureau. So in, in Canada, you may be familiar, there are two traditional credit bureaus, but whenever somebody arrives in Canada, they arrive what's called credit invisible. There's no information about who this newcomer is. And so when that newcomer applies for a place to live, applies for a credit card, applies for a personal and applies for an auto and all of these various products and services that they need, the local Canadian credit bureaus don't have any information about who this customer is. And as a result of that, the newcomer gets, gets rejected for that service. And so we're entering Canada as the third credit bureau. We are now licensed in every one of the major Canadian provinces as a CRA, and we can provide access to international credit bureau data. And so if you move to Canada from the US or the UK or India or Nigeria or Brazil or a few dozen countries now, we can access that newcomer's data from where they are from and instantly bring that into Canada so that they no longer have to start from scratch.
1: So if that's the sort of macro lens, this is a market that is growing, it's critically important. Tony, I want to focus you on a a micro element uh, that I know is really important to you, and that is what you have seen uh, in the data and anecdotally about the loyalty of newcomers when it comes to their engagement in the workforce. Talk a bit more about that for
2: us. Sure, Bruce, you, you know, we often hear the term quick quit and people believe that newcomers often make up a significant number of the population who start a job and then just quickly move on to something new. The reality is our experiences to achieve is, is quite different. These folks have, as I said earlier, a lot going on Um, They need stability, they need a job, and they are incredibly loyal and hardworking when they land. But a big piece of that is that actually the culture in which they're walking into is a welcoming one, one that is inclusive. So um, if it is welcoming, if their skills are being leveraged, um, they're staying, and they are incredibly valuable employees when they stay. Think about what they've gone through. They've left everything behind. These people are not risk adverse and there's no such thing in the status quo for them. Um, so they make fantastic
1: employees. We're gonna talk about uh, a number of the barriers and then we're gonna to segue to some of the opportunities or solutions or ways to overcome those barriers. The first, which Tony, you really already started to highlight here is the importance of a welcoming environment. Uh, Margaret, you talk about your early days in workplace culture and you said to me once, I wish I was born here just so I would understand workplace politics. For someone who has been around my whole life, I've lived in Canada for most of my life, there's a nuance about workplace politics that I don't know that I already know. What did you observe as it relates to the unwritten code that took some time for you to have awareness about or learn?
4: Thank
3: you. Sir. Thank you, Jason, for hiring a lot of immigrants and minority. I think it's amazing. Um, in the work environment, Tony knew that is the culture. You're coming from an environment where the culture is completely different. So what I often hear is when an immigrant is fired is they are not the cultural fit. Is a brand new culture. We expect them to leave everything they've learned over the years and adapt automatically into that work environment. Uh, that's what I found with a few leaders. The the, the patient level is a little bit thin as well. Again, to give kudos to a lot of people who are actually trying, I've met amazing leaders who are really trying to, to help these immigrants adapt at the same time, I've come across a loss and from the feedback that I'm getting from our foundation is that um, a lot of them get fired too pretty quickly within the first three to six months and that's because of the cultural difference. It took me almost 20 years to adapt, right? And I worked in the banking industry for 21 years mm. and it took just one amazing Canadian lady to say, hey, Margaret, this is it. The fact that somebody gives you a hug, and gives you coffee does not mean you guys are friends where we come from you give me coffee you give me a hug we're best friends but in the canadian work environment is different i recently had to deal with a situation with a, an immigrant who was hired into an amazing organization in hr she met this individual and she went on to explain talked about their age because the person asked her about her age she felt comfortable to share more information She shared a lot of personal information and she went on to ask, so how much are you paid? She asked about the person's salary. Where she's coming from, it was not a big deal. In that work environment, it was a big deal. She was performance managed for that. Mm. So for a lot of the immigrants is the cultural difference, is the opportunity to adapt, is finding that amazing leader that will Mm. say, hey. I will be patient with you. I will give you that opportunity to learn. So in my own experience, it took me a very long time because I was working in the bank, I was very aggressive. And what we learned is that the more aggressive you are, the more sales you make, the better, nothing else matter. But in the Canadian work environment, it's different.
1: It's different. Jason, uh, you talked about the number of retail locations. Uh, your employees speak many, many different languages. They have many, many different nationalities. What's the hardest part? for you as the leader and for your people in creating that welcoming environment for newcomers?
0: Yeah, so uh, just to to put it in perspective, we have uh, about 2,400 employees, uh, almost 17% of them, over 400, uh, are new Canadians. So they're actively employed with us um, as permanent residents and not not, uh, full citizens yet. So uh, so it's a pretty big portion of our employee base. Um, they represent over 72 different nationalities, so lots of languages spoken. So the most difficult thing, frankly, as a leader of the company, is, as Margaret said, when they when they first join, they come from a very diverse set of backgrounds and experiences from many different employers across many different countries. So trying to build a culture in the company that welcomes and speaks and grabs the hearts and minds of people with so many different backgrounds is, is quite difficult. Uh, you run up against all kinds of interesting challenges, like what social issues around the world are you going to corporately mm-hmm. speak up on and have a voice on versus not? And when you build your benefits and employee rewards, what are the various financial or health or family benefits that you want to build because they will cater to the widest audience possible? So if your employee base is, uh, is more narrow and uh, of a more similar nature, it's almost easier to deal with those things because you know exactly what's going to mm-hmm. cater to that population. But when you've got people uh, that uh, come from so many different wide uh, backgrounds, uh, just building the right culture and knowing how to build your organization around what's going to uh, best engage that workforce, it's tricky. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. So barrier number one, welcoming environment,
1: that assumes that you've been able to get the job in the first place. Tony, I hosted a workplace show 15 years ago in which we did a series of stories on the challenge for newcomers to Canada being credentialed in this country. Where have we seen progress? Where are the barriers still most pronounced?
2: So um, the good news is we are starting to see a little bit of progress, we have a long way to go in recognizing foreign credentials. Um, The governments are seized with it because I think there's a recognition that we have such a label crisis that we need to be able to match the skills of newcomers with the needs of business. So that's step one. But the second step is the colleges actually finding a way to reimagine credentialing processes that makes it faster makes it easier, gets rid of the duplication of a lot of the steps along the way. Um, And the other piece of this is the employers. So it's one thing to recognize that the colleges, the regulatory bodies have to move forward, governments need to reinforce. We need employers who also will recognize that um, without Canadian experience, these people still can be really valuable and it may take them a while to get their credentials. So find something that is next door, find something that's close, can build on those skills, give them the flexibility to get through the process that they need, they're gonna earn a living while they're doing this because most of them can't exit the workforce to just focus solely on building that process and those getting those credentials. So it's a journey and we're making progress, but not fast enough. Yeah, let's
1: let's read through this book a little faster, please, everybody, if we could, <laughs> be great, be great. Misha, I wanna to come to you on one of the other challenges that I'm sure you see globally, I don't know, you tell me, and that is um, building trust in institutions. So newcomers come with probably limited understanding for who the five big banks are, what the credit union system is all about, how the CRA works, all those sorts of things. What's the, what are some of the things that you see globally that enable newcomers to trust the institutions and the players in which they are, are um, in which they should have trust in?
5: I mean, if you if you if you peel back the the onion, what what like one of the reasons why integration and immigration is so hard is a data problem, right? It's it's you, you arrive as a as a blank slate. There's no information about who you are, and so many traditional um, onboarding experiences, so signing up for new products, uh, break because you can't even verify your identity. Uh, online right because there's no record for for who you are yet in in Canada and so you end up um resorting to a variety of these like clunky experiences you have to show up in a branch you have to uh, show up um you know with all sorts of documentation to try to prove who you are uh and uh co- core to why we exist is to automate a lot of that and to, to make that experience easier and a little bit more more human and natural um and it's a it's a capability that's now becoming the norm, at least here in the US and, and increasingly in the UK and a few other markets. Uh, in Canada, we've uh, we publicly announced our uh, launch uh, this past summer initially with Scotiabank, but you know our, our intent is to bring the capability and allow all major financial institutions in Canada uh, to benefit from this capability so that newcomers no longer have to start from scratch, so that they can benefit from their proven experience and get a leg up
1: margaret you have um very real immediate intimate stories of newcomers and the challenges that they face one of the areas in which you hear a lot of stuff is around unscrupulous behavior bordering on fraud you have an example of a client who took out student loans for a school that didn't then lead to a job tell us what happened there and what some of the lessons are for all the listeners into this event to say wait a sec we've built a system that doesn't quite that is insufficient in protecting newcomers from scams and fraud
3: there's a lot of praise out there paying on newcomers as well there are little colleges small colleges who go out of their way to apply for student loans for these individuals maybe give them two thousand about to hold on to um, they go to the school for maybe six months or so, they come out, they can't find a job because some of the courses they were learning up aren't probably what they need. Um, there are also a set of people I had a new immigrant who bought pots for 8,000 because they were told the pots will hate their health. Now, um, it, it boils down to information. It boils down to a lot of information with what uh, Misha was saying earlier on, you know, City Learning Centers has a program, it's a rent reporting service, we're also using that to help new immigrants build credit, we're getting the word out, we're letting them know, you don't need the student loan from these fictitious schools, you don't need to buy a pot of 8,000 in order to have a loan that will appear on your credit. And you have to spend all these years paying it off. Um, it's just getting the word out there. Similar to my situation, right? I got bad credit at one point because I didn't just understand, and I was working in the bank at the time. It's information getting to them before this praise get to them, impacting policies the best way we can. Um, and conversations like this that we're having as well.
1: Uh, I want to then move to this. Uh, the next question or the next barrier is really around access to credit so we know that it is so critical for newcomers to canada to begin building that credit history and doing all the things that will establish a score for a whole host of reasons not just so they can borrow but so they can have something to show a landlord when they want to rent um rent an apartment misha you've talked a little bit about the role that nova credit plays what are the biggest hurdles for this being ubiquitous i can imagine there are some players who aren't so interested in a new upstart like yours coming in and and changing the game because there are there is currently a way things are done
5: yeah well as, as much as i take a lot of pride in, in being an upstart or startup i mean we've been at this for almost a decade uh, at, at this point and so not quite a, a spring chicken uh, any, anymore uh you know we've, we've proven that we know how to work with the largest banks in the world american express hsbc um, scotia bank republic about we support telco use cases and so you know we have a familiarity and an understanding that is no longer naive about what it means to do business with some of the largest banks in the world including some of those in in, in canada i mean I, i'd love a world where we are you know ubiquitously uh, integrated and available in the canadian market it, it'll take some time to to get there um but i think we're on the right track right now we're we're getting a really um really warm welcome um from from all the major uh, players that we're we're talking to and and we'll soon be more public about working with um in canada but the, the biggest challenge ultimately comes down to um believing that uh this data can help improve processes that this data can help get more people into the canadian financial system and Uh, You know, there are a variety of ways that we help partners understand the power of this data and pre-qualifying applicants and underwriting them and improving their line assignment uh, and a variety of other use cases for how credit data, just like any way that you'd work with the credit bureaus, uh, can help improve process.
1: Tony, I'm going to come to you in a second. I'm going to ask Jason one more question, then I'm going to come to you. And what I'm going to ask you in a second is what have we missed here? We've gone through like the big, big barriers, but there may be one or two that we've missed. So I'm going to ask you that question in a second. Before I do that, Jason, I do want to ask uh, your view on access to credit because there, you have a challenge pricing risk. It's what the mathematicians who work with you are focused on day in, day out. And there must be a distinction between poor credit score, which has a certain profile and you price it in one way, versus no credit score, which is the circumstance that a lot of newcomers uh, arrive with. How do you navigate that? How does that work?
0: Yeah, uh, so first of all, it is difficult. And uh, as a lender, uh, the whole lending community is uh, is are rooting for businesses like Misha's because we are looking for more data upon which we can use to make better decisions and be able to make credit more readily and accessible and available to new Canadians and price those loans at the appropriate credit risk based on the profile of those individuals. In the absence of that new information and data, uh, it's really a case of extending credit typically based on one of three factors. And as a new Canadian, you're most likely going to have a trade-off because you have no credit file until the The data that we need is more readily available. It's one of the three C's. It's either going to cost you more uh, because you don't have known credit risk based on an established credit profile. You're going to have to provide collateral, some sort of form of security that could just be a cash, that could be uh, an RSP, that could be uh, a GIC, that could be a car if you have it. Uh, Or three, you're going to have to get a co-applicant. It's either going to cost you more, you have to provide collateral, or you're going to need a co-applicant, someone that's going to be able to sign on your behalf. And Until the Canadian infrastructure catches up in our financial system with the right data and the right information to identify and assess the risk of these new Canadians, these are the trade-offs, unfortunately, that many of them will have to make in order to build that all-important initial uh, start to building their credit file.
1: Tony, what have we missed in terms of your top five on barriers for newcomers to Canada when it comes to the financial
2: system? I'll give you two. First of all, I talk briefly, Canadian experience. Mm. We just have to get past this. Um, I think it was um, Misha or maybe Jason who talked about the growth of our population. And the reality is to build an employee base, employers are gonna have no choice but to build from the base of newcomers, which means they're not coming with Canadian experience. So they need to start looking at skills, competencies, not just experiences. There is a great deal that is transferable, but they're gonna have to take a bit of an open mind. And I will give the Government of Ontario credit. They've made some good strides here. About a year ago, they got rid of it for professionally trained international um, workers coming. Um, would They removed the Canadian experience requirement. Government just announced last week, Um, that they will actually make it illegal to have job postings and applications that require Canadian experience. So I think that's a big step forward. But HR departments, employers are going to have to do a little bit more work to map. What are those experiences? And what did those skills actually look like that come with those experiences? Mm. Let's look for the skills. Mm. The other thing I'll talk about is the wage differential. The reality, first of all, is that 60 plus percent of newcomers come to Canada with university educations. Depending on what stat you look at in Canada, Canadians have 50 to 60 percent population with university education. So they're coming in and these folks are highly educated. But despite the fact that they have university degrees, they are twice as likely to be paid less 20% wage gap has now been calculated for a low skilled paid job here in the GTA between a non immigrant and an immigrant that's a dramatic difference, Um, so I think those are two really big important things is pay people for the job that they can do, the skills that they bring and get rid of Canadian experience. Mm. So important. Those are two big barriers. That's
1: great. We are taking your questions through the um, the platform upon which you were engaging in this event. And I just wanted to flag one of them. Jason, this goes to you. What are some options for Muslim immigrants when they try to work within a system uh, when they cannot realize interest? So some people might not be familiar with the cultural differences here, but those who are of the Muslim faith, they can't just get a loan in the same way that someone who doesn't follow those principles because of um, that religious context. What are ways, Jason, in which you see the industry accommodating different cultures that may have some surprising things that aren't linguistic in nature, but they're broader than that.
0: Yeah, it's a a great question. So uh, two things that are now becoming more prevalent or are available to build credit with uh, in Canada. One is most of the major telcos now report the telecommunications payment history uh, on your cell phone and your cable bills to the credit reporting agencies. So um, if you're not going to go get a traditional interest bearing product, Go get uh, a cell phone and get a post-paid cell phone plan. Now again, it can be a bit of a chicken and an egg because, unfortunately, in some cases, those telcos will need a credit file, mm-hmm. and you find these you know folks are are in this this caught in this loophole. Uh, but a, but a telco trade is a is a great way to do that. And then secondly, there are a number of emerging uh, companies that are now allowing uh, landlords to report rent payments to the credit file. So there are mm-hmm. a growing number of Uh, landlords, uh, and particularly the larger uh, uh, landlords that run multi-unit complexes. So when you're going and looking for a rental unit, look for one or ask, is there a way that you can have my rental payments reported to the credit file so that I can start to build credit as well? So we are getting to the point where there are new and more options emerging for how someone can build credit, even if they don't want to incur interest from a traditional credit product.
1: We're going to make an emphatic shift from the barriers to the opportunities uh, that are available for the taking for institutions, for governments, for higher learning education for us to be supportive of newcomers and I'm going to be self-serving and flag one. So Credit Canada has just launched a series of e-learning modules focused on helping newcomers understand the credit system, understand the credit score, understand what to do if they're having a challenge with credit, creditcanada.com slash newcomers. One of the things that is uh, really important to highlight about this initiative is all this material is available in eight different languages. So a newcomer is able to log in and uh, engage with this e-learning in their language of choice. So that is one, we'll put that as an opportunity or a solution to some of the barriers out there, because we can't, minimize the challenge it is for people to engage in a language that may not be um, their first. I wanna move to you, Margaret. So um, you work at City Lending, but you also are very close to this grassroots kind of focus with the immigrant inclusive credit. What are some things that you are trying and uh, have deemed to be effective in your work in that side of your very busy life? We
4: have...
3: For the Muslim um, community, we do have a quick loan product where we don't charge um, interest rate; We only charge a fee. Um, is $1,600 and they have three months to pay back. That's one way we've been able to help that community out with that. We also directly report their rent payments to credit bureau um, with just $5 a month. We're able to do that. And for, with the grassroots uh, work that we do, for some of them that are not able to afford $5 a month, we pay that off on their behalf. Um, One piece that I think we also need to look at, we're not doing that yet, is the newcomer packages from the banks. Mm. A lot of the new immigrants are settling down with those packages, $2,000 credit card, 5,000 line of credit without a job yet. We're finding that a lot of them are getting bad credit within the first year due to some of those packages because they don't understand how to pay some of this money back immediately. Some of them don't even have a job. So they end up with city lending centers where we're fixing their credit for them because they got $5,000 from a particular bank when they came in and they weren't able to pay back on time or they didn't understand the process. So I think a good good opportunity is to look back at those um, new commerce packages Mm -hmm. and the kind of impact is having and to also revisit the lending policies.
1: Yeah, Misha, I wanna include you here, given your global view, you see a lot of the work that the institutions are doing prior to the newcomer arriving in this country. And a lot of the, the big banks in particular, Invest a huge amount of time, energy, and money in. I, I think there's part of it that's let's make an impact with these folks, and part of it is we want to get them, uh, you know, locked in as a client before they're then hit with a barrage of marketing material from competitors. Talk a bit about the work that institutions are doing prior to a newcomer coming coming here to Canada.
5: Yeah, it's 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 a great it's a great question. Something we're we're seeing really picking up steam uh, the last uh, last few months and and quarters. Um, More and more of the major financial institutions in Canada are investing in what we call pre-arrival workflows. So this is uh, standing up an organization and a team that's finding newcomers when they're still in their home country, let's say in India, um, building trust, uh, allowing for account opening and onboarding prior to arrival, and then actually activating the account upon the newcomer showing up at a branch location in Canada. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I really think about that as like a new, almost like a new channel of acquisition that, that you can start to activate to create a little bit more ease and remove a little bit of anxiety about the migration path of, you know, you, you arrive in Canada and you don't know whether you can even walk into a bank and open up an account. And this way, you know, with greater confidence that you have an account, that you have funds in that account. And as soon as you walk in, it'll be, it'll be activated. So it's a trend that we really see picking up, but building on on Margaret's point earlier of, you know newcomer packages that's an area where we see a tremendous amount of opportunity as well with better data you can approve more people with better data you can improve your line assignment logic so how do you how much line do you actually give uh, and you can also open up a variety of of digital channels allowing people to get approved for for accounts without having to wait in line at a branch
1: jason what role does the government play here what more if you could snap your figure fingers and uh, have the government innovate or change what they do as it relates to onboarding newcomers to this new world what would be some of the things on your wish list
0: so I think the government would get more actively engaged in helping uh, get access to and integrate in the foreign country data that's available on the consumers they're I think sometimes a little bit over their skis with the rate of immigration that they're um, generating in Canada, which, while it's great for those folks being able to come to such an amazing country, and it's certainly good for our economy and our population growth, I do worry a little bit that the infrastructure is a little bit behind, and it's not necessarily fair uh, to folks that come in and find the kinds of challenges we're talking about. I think the government could do a lot more to work with their foreign counterparts to say, how do we create some more, t- you know, a better data exchange, so that, uh, you know, contrary to as as Mieser said, when they get here, there's they're not starting from a blank slate with just zero history and zero file. It would give lenders uh, and all financial institutions the ability to then see the person's identity, get even a little bit of information, assets, liabilities, credit information, uh, work history, something that would uh, make it easier for them to expedite that integration. That that to have that happen. There's some great businesses that are trying to find creative and innovative, innovative ways to do that. But the government has a lot more capacity and could be a lot more uh, quick on the draw with it.
1: And Tony, the chief has a pretty good line of sight into some of this country's largest employers, given how many employers you partner with. Uh, one of the phrases that you use is the curb cut theory. Tell mm-hmm. us about what that theory is, and what would be an example or two of what best-in-class employers are doing to apply that theory?
2: So, um, thanks, Bruce. The curb cut theory is actually based on how um, modern sidewalks and roads work. When you think about crossing a sidewalk to get to the other side of the road, the curve is actually cut so that it it can accommodate easy transition from sidewalks to roads. It was done originally for wheelchairs. And the reality is, when you make it easier for those in wheelchairs, you're also all of a sudden making it easier for a range of other individuals who might have mobility challenges. They might be in crutches. They might have walkers. They might be pushing baby carriages or carrying grocery carts. So by doing one thing, you often have a ripple effect that advantages many. So by creating this welcoming culture, this environment that allows everyone to belong, you are creating a vibrant Workforce. And I think Jason t- talked a little bit about this. When you look at a consumer base, just in the GTA alone, I think 56% of the population is from a visible minority group. So the reality is they are actually looking for representation in people who they do business with. Who's the biggest population group in the workforce right now? Millennials. They are looking to actually support organizations whose values reflect theirs. And diversity and inclusion is a big part of that. So getting that piece right, super Mm -hmm. important. Simple example is recognizing that some individuals will actually need to take breaks throughout the day to be able to have prayers, observe in a quiet space, make those spaces available, provide people with the flexibility that they need to actually do that, and then come back to work and pick up where they left off, but giving them the opportunity to reflect and take it, uh, take those times that they need throughout the day.
1: Misha, you advocate uh, something you phrased as a dedicated strategy on a new to country or new to Canada segment, a segment of the population. We've got a lot of people dialed into this event who hold senior roles in organizations with I'm sure varying levels of sophistication uh, on this particular strategic question. What in your view would uh, exemplify a solid strategy when it comes to the new to country segment?
5: Use more data. Um, It's that it's that simple. Um, You know, if can you give us some
1: examples of what the data would be that you would say organizations should really look at?
5: I'll I'll try to I'll try to humor everyone and and say um, underwriting and providing credit to newcomers without data is like trying to drive in the snow without snow tires. Thank you Uh, for humoring us That um,
1: is a resonant (laughs) example from coast to coast to coast.
5: Um, I mean, to give you a very specific example, I mean, if someone just moved to Canada from, from Nigeria to, to build on Margaret's example from, you know, a few decades ago, um, they no longer have to arrive without any history, right? There, we have connections in Nigeria. There are uh, multiple credit bureaus in Nigeria. Those credit bureaus are reputable now, and the people that have the means to move to Canada tend to be the same people that have had experience with financial services before. Uh, and so you can now look at the pre- the past borrowing behavior of those consumers from reputable credit bureaus uh, and be able to treat newcomers the same way you would any Canadian by relying on their data and providing a more clear and fair underwriting decision.
1: Time is flying and it is now time for us to wrap up with our last kind of section And i call it the last word so this is the one thing that you felt like ah i can't believe we didn't get to this we should have got to this it could be a hope for the future it could be a request a call to action for um government for banks for whomever to do something different for this uh demographic and jason i'm gonna begin with you this is like a minute maybe a little bit more than that what is your last word on this topic of uh, financial well-being and newcomers to Canada.
0: Uh, Well, since I've already uh, made my bold statement about the need for more government involvement and support to help new Canadians get settled into the country and doing more to drive the access to the kind of data that Misha referred to uh, to make it easier on their adaptation of the financial system, I'll pivot back over to the other topic we were discussing, which is as an employer, how do you create better points of integration into your company culture? When I mentioned earlier about 17% of our workforce or 400 employees are new Canadians, I I, I misspoke. I said they're permanent residents. Those are actually the number of people we have on work permits. So they haven't even got to uh, permanent residency yet. Um, so it's a significant number of them. Uh, about a year or two, we were trying to unpack what was causing some of the turnover and those people once they spent time in our business to leave. And we identified that one of the most common reasons was that um, particularly for the younger demographic, when they're new to Canada, after somewhere between one to two years, they wanna be able to travel home again. And they don't wanna go for just the one week of vacation that they're entitled to at that point in their employment. They wanna be able to go home for two, three, four, sometimes six weeks to be able to go back and spend a full month with their family back in their home country. And so knowing that they didn't have that amount of accrued vacation time in our traditional Canadian system, they would have to quit their job. And we found there were a lot of folks that were quitting their jobs so they could travel home again. So we developed a new, new Canadian employee program that allowed them to, with advance notice to us, apply for and receive a much earlier sabbatical period than they would otherwise normally be entitled to under our typical sabbatical program that's based on tenure, so they could qualify for the month off that they needed to be able to go uh, back and visit home. And by doing that, we were able to massively increase the retention uh, of the new Canadians we have within our workforce, right. they would come back after that month away, rejoin our organization. And, and as Margaret said, that kind of stuff really does dramatically increase the loyalty to your sure. organization. So the last word I would have is think about all of your customary traditional employment programs, benefits and perks and say, if you really want to attract the new Canadian and make them a meaningful part of your workforce, how do you break the mold and do something new and creative that makes sense for them?
1: Tony, minute or less, what's your last word?
2: Uh- Leverage the programs government does spend on. Talk to organizations like Achieve. We've got an incredibly innovative program on an incentive bond that actually will reimburse employers for parts of salary and their training dollars if they bring in a skilled worker and it doesn't work out. We offer career loans. We do apprenticeship programs. We work on short-term placements for newcomers. So there actually is a lot going on in this community that I belong to, service providers, continue to try and do all we can to promote, but sometimes our voices aren't as strong as they could be. So take advantage, explore, give us a call. Margaret,
1: what is your last word?
3: Thank you, honestly, I feel like Jason, Tony, uh, and myself, no offense, Michelle needs to create a governing body for New Commons Finance. Um, maybe Michelle with the data as well. Thank you so much, Jason, for what you do, um, it's amazing. Uh, what I would say is cultural fit. And a lot of what Jason said earlier, cultural fit is the big, big issue within the immigrant community and newcomers. Uh, and another piece that I think, and I wish we could focus on, is a microfinance piece. Mm-hmm. I tell you, you, don't know how far 1,600 goes to a family that will lend um, when they just arrived to Canada. We have a lot of requests that we cannot even fulfill. We have backlog, uh, assisted any centers that we can't fulfill. So I think the microfinance piece is one mm-hmm um that we need to talk about quite well and um, cultural it's it's a huge one so That's thank good. you Jason and Tony Misha thank too. you Margaret
1: Misha what is your last word and you get to be the last last of the last word
5: I'm I'm flattered um I'll, I'll 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 leave you with three thoughts um three points one there is no segment more important to Canada than the newcomer segment you look at all the macroeconomic statistics Uh, You can look at, you know, the percentage of Toronto and the GTA that's foreign born, which I think is over 60% of the greater Toronto area is foreign born. There's no segment more important in figuring out how to serve than this one. Two is um, Canada is going through a step change in its ability and the data available to serve this segment. I think we are a key driver of that and the availability of this information is going to make all financial institutions in Canada more competitive and more able to serve this segment and then 3 is you're no longer you don't have to be alone you can reach out to myself some of the panelists here in figuring out how to upgrade your newcomer strategies there are people who specialize in this who've helped some of the biggest banks in the world i mean we've supported scotia bank american express hsbc verizon in helping develop dedicated newcomer strategies and so uh, don't hesitate don't hesitate to reach out Thank
1: you to our panelists. I am emboldened, I am inspired, and I am energized by the collective work that uh, all of you are doing in various uh, ways across the country. And with that, Shisen, I
4: will pass it back to you. Thanks so much, what a great conversation. Margaret, Tony, Misha, and Jason, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Your personal stories, ideas, and perspectives, and the work that your organizations are doing to help new Canadians establish their financial footing is really inspiring. And to Bruce, thank you as always for your expert moderation. Uh, We always enjoy having you back at the club. Members and guests, thank you for spending your lunch hour with us today. Enjoy your week, everyone.